Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hey everybody, welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to have all of you here with us on our great affiliates, 92.9 Cities FM and also WJOB AM 1230. We're on TV. We're on ACTV out in Aurora. We're right here on YouTube here with all of you for another great show, another great program. We break down a couple of things regarding the Bears and the Cubs this week. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports. John Meadows is directing and producing, doing everything great behind the scenes to make this a great product. And hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms in Orland Park. Link is in the description of the video. Going to start off today with this. Interesting comments from Justin Fields. During a press conference this week at Hallis Hall. Here's the article from the NFL.com. Nick Shook wrote this one. Bears could be Justin Fields. Says coaching could be the reason he's playing robotic. Justin Fields came out swinging and went after everybody inside Hallis Hall. Mainly Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. That's fair enough. Fields spent the length of his media availability on Wednesday discussing Chicago's offensive issues and admitted he felt like he was, quote, robotic and not playing like myself during the Bears' week two loss to Tampa. And here's what he said um, more so. He said, quote, my goal this week is to say F it and go out there and play football like I know how to play football. That includes thinking less and just going out here and playing off of instincts rather than to say and have so much info in my head and data in my head, and clearly just going out there and playing football. That's when I play my best, is when I'm out there playing free and being myself. So I'm going to say, kind of bump all what I should do, this and that, pocket stuff. I'm going to go out there and be me. A couple of things from this quote that we should glean from. First of all, I love this philosophy, and this will lead to more success. Less pressing, less pressure, and more, I'm just going to do it. I'm not worried about what critics are going to say. I'm not worried about what people are going to tell me. I'm not going to worry about fans booing me off the field in the third quarter. We're just going to play. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to leave it all out on the field. I'm not going to think too much. I'm not going to worry about scheme, worry about this, worry about that, worry about this specific player. I'm just going to go out there and know what I do best. I love it. That's the right philosophy to have. And even if he fails this weekend, which I'm not expecting the Bears to win. So even if he fails on a smaller level, I consider that a better outcome for him. I consider it a better outcome. Yes, I'm going to be mad if the Bears lose all because of Justin Fields, of course. But at the end of the day, you can't blame the guy for having the right attitude and the right mindset heading into work on a game day in a big game against a big-time team in the, in the 3 o'clock window. This is the right mindset to have, and I commend Justin unbelievably for saying this. But here's the more important thing and the crux of the argument that we maybe kind of glossed over. He did come out and blame the coaching staff for his struggles. And he said that he felt like he was playing robotic and not like myself. He feels like he's robotic. Hmm, I wonder why he feels that way. I wonder who 
program that into him. I wonder what made him feel like a robotic quarterback, a robot quarterback on the field. Hey, hint, hint, it's not Justin Fields himself fully. Some of it is, but not really. A lot of it goes back to play calling and coaching and leadership. Leadership is key. Matt Eberflus and Luke Gensi at the helm, I can understand why Justin Fields feels robotic and not like himself. This really reminds me of Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky Part 2. really does. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, now he had his own issues in terms of processing, deer-in-the-headlights type feel, with which Justin Fields is showing actually this week. I mean, everybody, including myself, other people said he looks like a deer-in-the-headlights out there. He's not looking good. And then you're trying to peg him in to a specific, a highly specified system that maybe doesn't cater to him. Now, it's so funny, too, because in the offseason, Luke Gantzian and company said that they did not plan on reducing Justin Fields' carries. Well, through two games, they are significantly reduced, and when he runs, he gains nothing. When he runs the football, there are barely any yards put on his record. At this pace, he will not even get 500 yards. He won't even get to 500 if he stays at this pace running the football the way the Bears are letting him run it now. Not going to happen. So they're already wrong in that respect. They said we're not going to limit Justin's carries. We just want him to be more of a quarterback. Well, he's not more of a quarterback either. Missing guys downfield, not enough protection in the pocket, dumb play calling, and mistakes on his part too. You put all that together, He's not a better quarterback, and he's not being a quarterback, being a pocket-passing quarterback. He's out there not succeeding and not playing well, and this Bears team is suffering because of it, because of his actions and his issues in throwing the football and also Luke Gensey's play calling and Matt Eberflus's ability to enable Luke Gensey to continue to call plays offensively. Because this is ridiculous. Okay, This is insane. Got Justin Fields coming out here and bashing the coaching staff. I love it. Now, he has to be held accountable for his own performance, which I think we've all did a good enough job at doing that. But why not bash the coaching staff? They do suck. They aren't helping. Nothing's getting better. It'd be different if things were better. It'd be different if, you know, hey, there is some improvement. Things are moving in the right direction. There is nothing to hang your hat on if you're the Bears offense right now. You've got a beat-up offensive line that won't protect Justin Fields. You've got Chase Claypool kind of caring, but not really caring. You've got DJ Moore, who was just utilized a little bit last week. And you've got Justin Fields running for 10 yards per game. Since when does Justin Fields just run for 10 yards per game? And since when does Justin Fields throw for a 50% completion percentage, only throw for 150 yards, and lose painfully due to his decisions. Something's not adding up here. And a lot of it goes to Fields and his regression, but part of that regression stems from Luke Getze's play calling and Matt Eberflus's enabling of Luke Getze to call the plays. All of it adds up and all of it sticks together. So there's a big issue here. Everybody's implicated, everybody's involved, everybody is guilty of this offense not playing up to its potential. So what did Justin say? I'm not worried or I'm not going to be looking for info in in my head and data in my head. He wants to play off instincts. Why not? His instincts aren't bad. I mean, he makes mistakes, but he did enough to get to this point. I mean, he was a stud at Ohio State. His instincts aren't dumb, per se. 
not everybody's going to be perfect. He will make mistakes, judgment calls, bad plays, but I don't mind him going off of instincts. What do you have to lose at this point? The Bears are 0-2. Okay, the Bears are 0-2. They are going through it real tough right now, and they're facing the Chiefs probably going to be 0-3. There's nothing to lose in saying, let's go off of instincts. Let's stop worrying about information and analytics and data and this, that, and the other. Kind of sounds to me like baseball players with the war argument and all these sabermetrics. It's the same thing. I understand there are ways to measure the games better. I'm okay with habits of advanced statistics to understand players better. But at the end of the day, you can only load someone's head up with so much information. They still have to go out there and be an athlete, stay in shape, and perform. Baseball is not simulated on a computer, and football isn't either. One bounce of the ball could determine a win or a loss. A couple of bounces of a ball could determine a 10-6 and six season from a 6-10 and 10 season. So it's not all about data, and here's what we should be doing, here's what we did, and here's why it worked, here's why it didn't work. No, 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 no. These guys are professionals. And if you want Justin Fields to be the quarterback that you think he could be, at some point the training wheels have also got to come off. Let him fail. Let him fail epically if you think he's going to fail. So be it. Then we know that the Bears need a new quarterback again. But this whole, I feel robotic, I feel this, I feel that. Guys, what are we doing here? This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing in the sense that Fields is a third-year quarterback having to come out and say this. And we just heard the same spiel from Mitch Trubisky a couple of years prior. That goes to show you it's not a quarterback thing. It's a system and a culture thing. We got Ryan Poles and Matt Eberplus in office, and look what's still happening. There's still a dumb offensive coordinator calling plays. Matt Nagy was the dumb offensive coordinator slash head coach before. Now it's Luke Getzey. It might have worked out in Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers is not Justin Fields, and Justin Fields is not Aaron Rodgers. You need to dial up something different for the sake of Justin Fields. Seeing this report, though, was encouraging. Seeing Fields feel empowered to speak out is awesome, and I love it. He doesn't have much room to speak, but he can kind of speak on this because he knows firsthand how dumb the play calling has been and how difficult things have been for him on the field. He knows firsthand what Luke Getzi's calling on every play and how things are progressing, good or bad. He knows. He knows. So he's allowed to speak on this, and I fully support him in this statement. I may not support him yet, or maybe ever, as the Bears' permanent solution at quarterback. I kind of gave up on that last week. But I can support him on this statement, no doubt, that this is an issue, a glaring issue that needs correction. Don't think he's the guy, but he's not wrong at what he's saying. Maybe he could go somewhere else next year, the year after, and ball out, and I'd be so happy for him, like I was for Mitch initially when he went to the Bills and then went to Pittsburgh. But it's just not working here. And this is pretty apparent because there have been side-by-side comparisons, and I'm sure all of you have seen this all over social media. Mitch Trubisky has better numbers than Justin Fields over their first, what, 27, 28 games? Yeah, that's true. Now, you could argue that different coaches, different regimes, different defenses, at the end of the day, the numbers in this case don't lie. I mean, Mitch is better in completion percentage, in touchdowns, and 
passer rating. The only thing Justin beats him in is rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, which Justin Fields is good at. And they're different quarterbacks. They are different quarterbacks. But in terms of passing the football, they're equal. In terms of running and being an overall athlete, yeah, Justin Fields has the edge easily. We don't need to debate that here. That's pretty apparent. But in terms of statistically speaking, passing the football, they're the same. And if not, Mitch is slightly better. That is concerning. That is a problem. That needs to change. So maybe Justin Fields dials one up, goes old school, trusts his instincts and not bad coaching moves, bad play calling. Maybe things get better for the rest of this season. And if they do, I'm happy to eat my words from earlier this year. I'm happy to put more trust in Justin Fields because I want him to succeed. and I don't want the Bears dealing with yet another quarterback situation. But now Justin, after speaking out about all this, has to do it and prove it. My goal this week is to say, F it. I love it. F it. And go out there and play football like I know how to play football. He knows how to play football. There were times last year in which he had good games. They're just not sustained. He has one or two good games a year, maybe three, four, but they're not sustained. Here's his chance to sustain it. Here's his chance to move it forward. Make progress. Because so far we've seen regression. I love the quote and I love the attitude. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't put my faith in it working out. But I could say this, the attitude is there. The heart is there. He cares. He wants to do better. He wants this team to be better. That's great. I know I was really enraged last week at the way the game ended, but I it's hard not to root for him with this sort of attitude. And that's the same with Mitch Trubisky. Everyone said the same thing. Mitch is not a bad guy but he's just not performing on the field. And I feel like that's what Justin Fields is turning into. Not a bad person. I have no ill will or gripe with who he is as a man. I just got a problem with the way he's playing right now. That could still change. 15 games to go. But they really got to dig themselves out of a hole. And it starts this weekend against Kansas City. I'm going to keep this quote in mind as we move forward. I want to keep this in the back of my head when we do a recap show on Monday for the game and see how the words translate to actions on the field. See how this translates. See how this moves forward. I like it. I think it's smart. And I think what he's saying is not wrong. And I commend Justin in the fullest capacity for trashing the Bears coaching staff because you know what? They deserve it. They deserve the criticism. We've all criticized him. Now their own quarterback's criticizing him. Not looking good for their future. Or, conversely, not looking good for Justin's future. They're going to get rid of him and bring in somebody else and say he was the problem. Either way, something is being said and something should be said about Justin Fields and about this coaching staff and about what's wrong with the Bears offensively. They've got countless issues. But quarterback and offense is at the top of the list right now based on how much money Ryan Pohl spent. So we will see what these quotes lead to on Monday. We'll see it on Sunday. We'll react to it on Monday. I just hope things go well and that he can be vindicated and start his road back to success. Thanks for watching today's show. We will be right back here on City's 92.9 and WJOB. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to John Meadows, directing and producing. We'll be right back. We're back here on Sports Talk Chicago, City's 92.9 FM, WJOB. All of our great affiliates, Aurora, ACTV, Jed TV, 
right here on YouTube as well at Sports Talk Chicago. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago, myself at John Z Sports, John Meadows in the producer and director chair. As we get you prepared for a maybe competitive game between the Bears and the Chiefs on Sunday. I mean, I'm trying to be nice, trying to be appreciative to the Bears for at least playing and having a season this year, but I don't expect this one to go too well. The Bears, as they stand today, are 0-2 in case you've been living under a rock. Their offense is dysfunctional. Their defense can't contain Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love. And they're getting their butts kicked week in and week out with bad play calling, bad coaching, and just bad play all around. Well, this week they're just going to have to take on one of the best teams in football, maybe one of the best teams in the history of football, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs, to their or to my surprise, I should say, um, have not been playing well as of late. And a lot of Chiefs fans are concerned, and maybe rightfully so. Patrick Mahomes isn't himself. The Chiefs did lose to the Lions to open up the season. They're 1-1. One one. Travis Kelsey's been beat up a bit. Things are not perfect out there in KC. Could this be an opportunity for the Bears to pull up an upset? It's slightly possible. I'm not going to bet on it. I'm not going to make my prediction solely based on that. It would be unbelievable if the Bears upset Kansas City. It would certainly right the ship for the Bears at Hallis Hall, put them to 1-2, and two, get people excited, say, wow, they beat the Chiefs. See how great all that sounds? See how exciting all that is? Yeah, remember, it's just a dream, okay? I don't think any of that's actually going to occur. But should it occur, it'd be a big deal for the Bears. I just don't think it's happening. Now, Justin Fields came out this week and criticized the coaching staff and Luke Getze. He said he felt robotic out there, wants to come out and just F it and rip it and be ready to go. I love that philosophy. We'll see if it translates to an in-game performance of sorts. Khalil Herbert's been great in two games, but only 16 rushes. The Bears, as a, as a team, have only run the ball 45 times in two games. They're only averaging as a team, not as one individual player, but as a team, about 22 to 23 rushes per game. They are not running the football at all. They're playing from behind. They're putting hero ball in Justin Fields' hands and In the fourth quarter, in two consecutive games to begin this season, when the Bears were within one possession, Fields threw a pick six, which ended the Bears' chances to come back in both the games they played. On the wide receiving side, D.J. Moore had a big week last week. Cole Komet's doing all right. Chase Claypool's been a liability. This Bears team needs a full makeover. Extreme makeover house edition, whatever it's called. That's what they need here. They need so many things to change and change fast. Fast. Not um, take a couple of games. We'll see development over the season. If people want to still be excited about this team after two games, they need things to change fast, and it starts this weekend. I don't expect the Bears to win, and I'm not going to be outraged if they lose. It's expected. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that a team that lost to Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield should beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. That'd be dumb. I'd be reckless. But I want to see a competitive game. I don't want to see a blowout. I don't want to see inept performances. I want to see this team fight to the very end, and I'll be happy. I'm not a moral victory guy, usually. I'm not a big rah-rah guy, usually. But in this case, I mean, realistically, what should we expect here? I'm not going to sit here and say, the Bears should win and feed you some BS that makes no sense. The Bears are not winning this game. Come on. And if they do, great. They're not. They're not. And the Kansas City Chiefs, even being beat up, are still just an unbelievably solid football team. Patrick Mahomes, four, four touchdowns, two picks, 531 yards in 
two games. I mean, this is one of the worst starts to a season he's ever had, but you're going to face the Bears defense who gave up 300-plus yards to Baker Mayfield. He'll be fine. This is going to be a rebound game for him, probably. The run game's kind of a bit up in the air. Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are kind of sharing carries, uh, not doing too well on the run side of things. Justin Wilson's their best wide receiver because Travis Kelsey is still not 100%. He only has four catches this year. And Jarek McKinnon's been an okay back as far as receiving goes. I mean, they are beat up, no doubt about it. They are not maybe who they were before, no doubt about that either. But they are still playing great football. They are still a perennial Super Bowl contender. And here's an interesting twist. They're third in the NFL right now in defense. Now, it's two games, but they're third. They're third in the National Football League in defense. And they only gave up 21 points to Detroit. They gave up only nine to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, who is good. Maybe the, maybe the Chiefs' defense is going to help them win games now, moving forward. Maybe it's going to transition from a super heavy offensive game to a more balanced mix, which will still allow them to win many games and potentially a Super Bowl. So I like the direction the Chiefs are going in, even with these injuries, even with these issues, even with things that don't seem fully right in Chiefs land. What I'm looking for from the Bears is the following, though. Not looking for a win, said that already. But what I am looking for is progress. I'm going to continually look for a light at the end of the tunnel because right now Justin Fields has a 71 quarterback rating, two touchdowns, three picks, two fumbles. I want to see a ball-out performance from Fields. Now, the Chiefs' defense is good, but I'd love to see the Bears put up maybe, I mean, minimum 17 points. I don't think that's too much to ask. 17 is, is not a ton. It's not a huge expectation. The Bears put up 20 in Week 1 and 17 last week against Tampa. I don't see why they can't do it again against KC, minimum. My concern is the Bears' defense. If they gave up all these yards and all these touchdowns to the likes of Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield, what's Patrick Mahomes going to do? Even with depleted weapons, even with him not being himself, this is going to be a rebound game for him. He is going to turn it around and tear up the Bears at home at Arrowhead. He will. It's going to happen. So, I'm not putting my hope nor faith in the Bears to do anything significant. What I want to see is progress. I take a line from last year's rebuilding and tanking year, but really, that's what I want to see. They shouldn't be tanking this year. They shouldn't be rebuilding. They shouldn't be 0-2. But in this game, even if the Bears were 2-0, even if they were thriving, even if everything was going right, you can't expect a team this young in terms of gelling in terms of chemistry to come out and just kick the crap out of the Chiefs on the road. Even if the Bears did reach their targets and go 10-7 and seven or 9-8 and eight and make a wild card spot, I guarantee one of those 7 or 8 losses would be against the Chiefs. This is not a Super Bowl caliber team. This is not a team ready for success today. They're doing their best to stay alive, and at this point, they're doing their best to not go 0-3. And if they do, it's going to be even worse and worse and worse. It's just going to get worse. It's already pretty bad. So this is where the Bears stand right now. This is where they are. This is where they are as a team. And these are the expectations that we have to lay down on them. I'm not expecting much, nor should you. 
I'm expecting better performances. I'm expecting Justin Fields to, quote-unquote, let it rip and say F it, as he said. I'm looking for Roshan Johnson to get more opportunities. He looked great last week running the football. He's catching the ball as well. I'm looking for DJ Moore to continue his hot streak and build off of last week. I'm hoping for Chase Claypool to show some effort and actually give a damn. You know? I'm hoping for all this stuff. Cairo Santos to continue his hot streak. He's three for three. There are some positives. Probably about five, as we talked about last week, which... Eh, no offense to Roshan Johnson or Cairo Santos, but if those are your top positives for the season, you're kind of having a bad year. We, we really need to see improvement out of Justin Fields. And the key for the Bears to even stay in this game is going to be how much will their defense bend and not break. Because let's face it, they're not going to force Pat Mahomes to throw three picks and force a couple of fumbles, even get a sack. The Bears didn't even sack Baker once last week. So I don't expect that this week. But what I do expect is hopefully a bend-not-break attitude and hopefully more effective defensive prowess. The Chiefs are downgraded offensively. They're kind of struggling a little bit here. Take advantage of that if you're the Bears. Take advantage of the fact that things are not perfect. Exploit the Chiefs. Get their fans worried and scared. Get them worried about having a tough start to their year. I, I think that's a great idea. The Bears, after this, have kind of a tougher schedule, too. Kind of, I would say, a coin flip schedule. They still have Denver, Washington, Minnesota, uh, the the Vegas Raiders, and and the Chargers. I don't know how any of those games are going to go. You would think the Bears would have a shot and be in it, but based on how they played against Tampa and against Green Bay, I don't know. I don't know, and I have no faith in it. So this week, don't expect a win, expect a loss, but expect hopefully better play out of Justin Fields, better play out of this defense, better play out of their key pieces who are rising in stock, like Roshan, like DJ Moore, maybe Chase Claypool. I I don't know. That's something that you can hang your hat on, and that's something you should be looking for this weekend. And from a defensive standpoint, I'm really curious to see how it goes because Allen Williams is no longer with the team. He resigned. So they don't technically have a defensive coordinator. That means Matt Eberplus, as of right now, according to reports, is going to be calling plays. So let's see how Mr. Defensive Guru handles this. Can he limit Pat Mahomes? Can he limit the Chiefs offense, which is already kind of down and out because they they are hurting? Can he put up a good enough game plan to be effective? That's all you could ask for in this situation. As far as the final score prediction goes, I am not going to be favoring the Bears in this one, and I think it's going to be more than a one-possession loss. I'm going to say 38-24, Bears fall. 38-24. I do believe the Bears will put up some points. I think Justin Fields is going to come out and play with more of a purpose, and he won't be as robotic. His words, not mine. But I think the Chiefs are just going to be too much for the Bears' defense to handle. I know I've said it already, but I'm going to say it again to emphasize the point. You gave up 300 passing yards to Baker Mayfield, who last year nobody wanted on their team as a quarterback. He was benched by Carolina, put back in, released, and the Rams kind of picked him up on a flyer because Matthew Stafford was so injured and they had nobody else. So he came on, did okay, not really great, but okay, had a couple of nice moments. Gets somewhat of a job with Tampa. Earned the job to his credit, and he's looking great. But I, I, we shouldn't have expected that out of Baker. And Jordan Love, too. Jordan Love is looking great so far. That will be bound to end. He's essentially a rookie. 
he's having a nice uh, stretch couple of games here. It's not going to be permanent. But the Bears let him have a great stretch. Started off his great stretch. That's unacceptable from the Bears' defense. So you think if they can't contain Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love, they're going to contain? Pat Mahomes, highest-paid QB in football, best quarterback in football? No, they won't. Even with him not having a perfect year to start, even with Travis Kelsey being beat up, even with an inconsistent run game, the Chiefs are going to find a way to win. That's what good teams do. The Bears could be a good team. Not this year, if things keep going like this. But when they get to that point, as many of you know, and as many of you have seen in past Bears iterations, they're going to win those tough games. They're going to win the games where they're not on point because they're just that good. And the Bears are not just that good right now. They have a long way to go. They should be just that good considering how much money was spent and where they stand today, but they're not. They have liabilities on the offensive line. They can't even rush the quarterback. I hope they get one sack against Mahomes if they're lucky. Their offensive play calling is bad. Justin Fields has started off unbelievably tough. There are very few bright spots to this team and very few things for the Bears to hang their hat on right now. Now they don't have a defensive coordinator even. They're in a big, big problem area right now. I hope things get better, but I'm not going to count on it. And I think this weekend is going to be a tough game to watch. I think the Bears will... Lose by 14, I think, you know, they'll be in it for a second. But I think by the end of the game, it's going to be like 38-17. They're going to score garbage time touchdown and make it 38-24. That's really what I think. This is not going to be a good game. Away at Arrowhead, loudest stadium in football? No, it's not going to work out well. They can't even coordinate their plays with nobody in the stands. How are they going to coordinate plays when they can't even hear themselves? It's not going to work out, so... That's my prediction. 38-24 Bears will fall to KC, and they will drop to 0-3 on the season. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here to today's video and to today's program here on Cities 92.9 and WJOB AM 1230. John Meadows, big thank you to him, directing and producing, making everything work behind the scenes. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms, and follow me personally at John Z Sports. For the radio audience, we're going to be right back. We have much more to get to. The Cubs are going down and going down hard in the midst of a playoff race. Not looking good. We'll discuss when we get back. Sports Talk Chicago, John Zaglua here with you. Appreciate everybody tuning in on this fine evening. Listening with us, we appreciate it. 1230 AM, WJOB, 92.9 Cities FM, ACTV, and Jet TV. Our great TV partners. Uh, you can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John C. Sports. John Meadows is manning the ship behind the scenes, making sure everything looks and sounds okay. Boy, what's going on with the Cubs? You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I made a video praising the heck out of them because they look great. And they were, what, 10, 15 games above 500. They were playing hot baseball, guys were performing. But for some reason, over the past couple of weeks, things have gotten pretty dicey pretty quickly. And it's a bit concerning. I made my video last week bashing the Cubs for their losing streak. I'm not going to sit here and kill them again. But I'm honestly concerned about where they stand moving forward. The Cubs, a couple of weeks ago, were pure locks for the playoffs. And they were three games out of the division lead from Milwaukee. They were right in the thick of it as things move forward. But as we sit here today, the Cubs are 79 and 72. Brewers have 85 wins. 
And they are not going to reach that division title. I wouldn't say that's a failure per se. I mean, the Cubs weren't going to be great this year anyway. We didn't expect them to be where they are in this moment. But it is a bit disappointing that at one point they were contending for the division lead, and now they're pretty much out of it with limited games to go. So what's left? Well, the wild card spots. Three teams make the playoffs this year. Philadelphia and Arizona are up there. The Cubs are right there. And then, let's see, four teams are within five games. Miami's a half game back. And Cincinnati's one and a half back. Even San Francisco, who's 500, is three and a half back. What went wrong? What happened? And why are the Cubs collapsing at this sort of rate? Even their playoff odds are at 63%. A couple of weeks ago, they were at like 89-90. This is a staunch and surprising and difficult collapse to see and deal with for this team. I didn't expect this to occur. Cubs are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They got their butts kicked out west to Colorado and Arizona. They beat the Pirates 14-1, but... They've got to turn on the Jets and turn them on now. Or else they're going to miss the playoffs. They're going to miss out on what has been, for the most part, a really successful year. I mean, a really great season that they should be proud of heading into the offseason. I mean, for a team that really had no expectations, for a team that was kind of mishmash and somewhat put together, I mean, you think about it, Cody Ballinger was a one-year rental. You know, maybe he'll do well. Dylan, um, I'm sorry, uh, Dansby Swanson, not Dylan Cease, the Cubs traded him. Dansby Swanson was a big signing that turned out great. Justin Steele was heavily relied upon. Ian Happ, maybe he'd do okay. I mean, even Mike Talkman, even down to the road of Edward Azalei, who's turned into a great closer. All of these guys who are performing are really performing at some of their bests. And the Cubs are where they are because guys have gone above and beyond where they should be. They've gone above and beyond what their expectations were. And that's what I appreciate about them. I mean, Justin Steele, he may not win the MV or the uh, Cy Young Award now. Blake Snell's kind of trampled him in regards to that. But guess what? I'll take 16 and 4 with a 273 ERA, although he got beat up in his last start. Marcus Stroman's going to be back and used out of the bullpen. Kyle Hendricks has been right on par for where he should be. Edward Azalea is hurt. As far as hitting goes, Morrell's still hitting homers. Seiya Suzuki's been on a tear. Bellinger's still great, and Ian Happ's all right. So what's been the problem? Well, the Cubs have a problem in terms of depth, and that's going to hurt them come stretch time and come playoff time, and it's hurting them now come stretch time. We have seen what has occurred to the Cubs when they run out of players and guys get hurt down the stretch. They're starting rotation even. Kyle Hendricks and Justin Steele are going to be the only guys on this team who pretty much start every game and are effective. Jamison Tyone, big investment, 527 ERA, 27 stars. Drew Smiley, relegated to bullpen work. Marcus Stroman off the IL, relegated to bullpen work. Javier Assad has been good in the time that he's been given, but he hasn't been a full-time starter. Hayden Wisniewski's been a disappointment. Jordan Wicks has been good. The point is, the Cubs, as far as depth go, don't have a hardcore one through five in the rotation. That's going to hurt them come stretch time, and it's going to hurt them come playoff time. But Azalea's hurt. Azalea's hurt, and he's on the eye gal. He's been good when he's been healthy, but he's out. Cubs have been having to rely on uh, Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter Jr., Michael Fulmer, when healthy, to 
shut the door late, and that hasn't been perfect. It's not your guy. It's going to be tough. And even on the field, some guys have just kind of fallen off a bit. Nick Madrigal got hurt, which kind of sucks. Bellinger's cooled off a tad. Happ and Suzuki the same. Horner's been good. And Gomes has been fine. The Cubs' ability to go above and beyond, which is what we saw in the midpoint of this season, really, when they when they got hot, has gone away a bit. I'm not going to chalk it up to, oh, they don't care, or, oh, they just are not good or not effective. I'm going to chalk that up to a combination of some unfortunate events, injuries, lack of depth, and general fatigue and tiredness. This is not an established dynasty or dynastic organization. This is not the Dodgers, who just have money to spend galore, have players everywhere, minors, majors. I mean, Jason Hayward's playing well with them. Where the hell was that here in Chicago? Everybody's playing well, and everybody's doing good. And when somebody goes down, somebody else comes up. And if they don't have somebody down there, they go out and sign somebody like they don't care, or they trade for somebody. The Cubs are not that organization. And the Cubs as a team don't have that talent pool. They are doing this all, for the most part, homegrown, which I love. Nico Horner, Hap, Suzuki, Morel, Alzelay, Steele, Hendricks, who's still there, Javier Assad, Daniel Palencia, who has not been effective, but they're trying with him, Jordan Wicks. This team is so set up for the future, it's not even funny. They're set up so well for the future. There's an excitement around this team down the road, and Cubs fans should be excited no matter how this season ends. They deserve to be blasted a bit if they really collapse, don't make the playoffs, and end maybe a game under five hundred with where they were versus where they end. That's unfortunate. That would be sad. But overall, this team is so young, so new, mixed with a couple of big-time money guys, but mainly younger guys that they developed. There's a lot of growth potential for this team. There's a lot of stuff that could be coming for this team. And that's the part that gets me excited. That's the part that I love. They've looked great this year for the most part, besides these past couple of weeks. And guys have outperformed what they were expected to do. I mean, Cody Bellinger, when he came in, was hitting a buck 90 last year. Nobody expected him to come in and be kind of back to his MVP self to an extent. Nobody expected Christopher Morrell to kind of hop out of the scene and hit 23 homers in 99 games. That's a very hot bat when it comes to power. Nobody expected Nico Horner to continue his hitting or Dansby Swanson to hit 21 homers and bring in 80 runs. And nobody, and really nobody, expected Justin Steele to be a runner-up for the Cy Young and Edward Azalea to come from the depths of being a bust to become the Cubs' full-time closer. I am especially proud of him because I bashed the hell out of him, deservedly so, for his lack of performance, his ineffectiveness in the starting rotation. He looks great. This is this is what he was born to do. He was not born to be a starter. He should have never been forced to be a starter. He's electric. He is high energy. If you put him in in the ninth inning, you're going to be ready for a great performance. You're going to be on the edge of your seat no matter what happens. Throws the ball with intensity, with with speed, 100-plus miles per hour. And he's converted on 22 saves, and his ERI plus is 166. 
He is not a bad closer. The Cubs actually have a closer that they could build off of going into the next year. They don't need to sign anybody. They have their guy here, and I hope they stay with him. Now, if they want to make a World Series run, or they kind of do the Aroldis uh, Chapman thing, they, they bring somebody in mid-year and kind of relegate Hector Rondon, or a.k.a. now Albert Azale. Different story, but overall, I think Azale will do the Cubs the job that they need next year and beyond. There have been a lot of positives, a lot of things that have kind of come up that weren't expected, a lot of discoveries made this season that were not initially there, game one on paper, that have turned into pleasant surprises. Anybody expect Nico Horner to lead the Cubs in war? I didn't. Yeah, 4.9 better than Dansby Swanson and even Cody Bellinger and Justin Steele. Didn't expect that. Didn't expect Cody Bellinger to be who he was. I don't know if the Cubs are going to resign him. I don't think they should, but he's been great for this year. Christopher Morrell is a power-hitting fiend out there. Say Suzuki's hitting 280 with a high on-base percentage for his average. Even Mike Talkman, fourth outfielder off the bench, has put up nice numbers in limited time. Patrick Wisdom, too. 21 home runs in a non-everyday role. The Cubs started this year, if you remember, with Eric Hosmer, which we bash. Trey Mancini. <laughs> Even Matt Mervis, who turned out to be kind of a bust. Michael Fulmer, who was the closer day one. Not anymore. He sucks in that role. A lot of guys who were penciled into specific positions are not there anymore, and this team is, is better. They're better because of that happening. Marcus Stroman's out of the bullpen now. Drew Smiley's out of the bullpen. Jordan Wicks, who many people hadn't heard of, came up and has done great in five starts. Javier Saad is going back into the rotation. There's been a lot of good work. There's been a lot of surprises. There have been some disappointments, too. But all in all, this team is set up for the future. I want them to make the playoffs just as much as the next person does. And if they don't make it, we are going to have to do a video. Sorry. We're going to have to do a video to bash them and a show to bash them because they were up 10 to 15 games above 500. Now they're just 7 or 8. And now they're only a half game up for that last spot. It would be a seismic collapse. That said, from an individual perspective, even from the way the team handled adversity, moved guys into positions that they really weren't familiar or comfortable with, and handled this season, which was weird at the outset. I think they've done a phenomenal job. It was weird, wasn't it? But when you saw the news that the Cubs signed Cody Bellinger and Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, they brought in Dansby Swanson, which was exciting, but all those three was kind of like, what is going on here? What the hell is happening down at Wrigley? Well, a couple of those guys didn't work out, but Cody Bellinger did. Cody Bellinger really worked out. Kyle Hendricks, who was ineffective for years, has come back and has been serviceable, passable. Justin Steele has been unbelievable. Nobody expected any of this to occur. And although there are some harsh Cubs fans who said they should have made the playoffs, they should be in there, they were not expected this year to make the playoffs. I said 81 and 81, and that was right. Even Pakoda agreed, and a lot of other experts agreed too. If you were actually thinking game one, this team's a playoff team and they should make it, and if they don't, Jed Hoyer should be fired, you're dumb. No, they, they, they did not have the roster capacity to get there. 
And even today, they're winning. They're even in this position because guys are consistently overperforming. Nico Horner should not be leading this team in war. He is this year. Good for him. It's not going to happen every year. Justin Steele is not going to be a Cy Young Award candidate every year. Albert Azale was not expected to be anything this year. And now he's the closer. So many guys have stepped up. And that's why no matter what happens, we should celebrate. I just really hope they get in because a collapse of this proportion would be extremely unfortunate for the Cubs. See what they do, though. Time to go, and we're going to make sure we cover them till the end. I know it's Bears season. I know it's Bears season, but the Cubs are in the midst of a really a historic playoff run, considering the talent on this team and their expectations before the year. So we're going to make sure we cover the heck out of them, especially if they make the playoffs and move forward. We're going to be on them for sure, so stay tuned for that. Appreciate everybody tuning in to today's program. Big thank you to our affiliate cities, 92.9 and WJOB, 1230 AM for us. We are syndicated. Hey, if your station wants to be syndicated with us, you can hit us up via email, sportstalkchicago1 at gmail.com. Hello, us all over at Sports Talk Chicago, myself at John Z Sports. Hit us up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up at Sports Talk Chicago near the 19,000 subscriber mark. We could really use your help. Big thank you to Amish Country Farms, our sponsor. Hit them up in the link of this video description. And a big thank you, as always, to the man behind the scenes, behind the curtain, John Meadows, directing and producing, making sure everything works. Thank you all for tuning in. Looking forward to talking with you next week. Until next time, so long, everyone.